Well, please go ahead and open your Bibles up this morning to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. You'll find Ephesians in the New Testament section of your Bible, right after Galatians and right before Philippians. If you find 1st and 2nd Corinthians in the New Testament, then you'll have Galatians and then Ephesians. And again, we're looking for Ephesians chapter 3. And to start out this morning, I want you to look down with me and read starting at verse 20. So we're in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. It says here, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, of course, we're going to look at a lot more scriptures today, but these two verses right here are the basis of what I'm going to focus you on this morning. What I'd like for us to focus our, our hearts and our minds on this morning is the content of these two scriptures. I want to point out to you this morning that we are called to absolute faith. Absolute trust in God. And I'm going to expound on what I'm talking about here as we go. You know, come what may, whether the good or the bad, we need to trust in God and who He is. No matter what happens, no matter what comes in our lives, whether it's good or whether it's bad, okay? Um, so often it's easy to get away from the understanding of what trusting in God really looks like. When trouble times come, heartache, sickness, financial woes, it's easy to, to, to get to that point where we have that attitude of, where is God in all of this? Where is God when all of these things are going on? When in reality, nothing about God has changed at all. When our circumstances change or when our circumstances go bad, He's still the same. He remains God. He remains faithful and true. Okay, now I want to start out here this morning by saying that God is above all else. And that's going to be um, the basis of what I'm talking about as well. As we, read the, as we just read those scriptures there in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. But I want to point out to you guys to keep this in mind as we go through this study that God is above all else. And as I say that, right, it sounds like kind of one of the most, um, what do they call it, Captain Obvious, right? One of the most obvious things that you could say, right, is that God is above all else, right? Because everyone knows that, right? If, if you have faith in God, you know that God is above all else. There's none greater. But when the times get harder, right, is it easy for us to say at that time, God is in control. God is above all else. God knows what He's doing. There's a purpose. There's a plan for what we're going through, for what has happened in life. 
right? Or is it easy to question who God is and to think that He should be doing this or that for us in these circumstances? Or should we blame God when troubled times come? Again, I, I could go through a whole list of examples that people go through in regards to tough circumstances, difficult times, right? But when, when we really, when the rubber meets the road, do we understand that God is greater than we can fathom and that His plan and His purpose is unfolding in this world? The reality is, though, is that many people on the earth haven't come to grips with the fact that God is above all. Right? First of all, many don't believe that God exists at all. And others are skeptical about His existence, right? And many that do believe that He is struggle with understanding His involvement in their daily lives. How is God here? Is God here? And what's His involvement in my life right now through these circumstances or that circumstance? When things are going good for us, and we're on easy street, as they say. Yeah, we, it's easy to say, God is good. Yeah, God is great. You know, whatever. But oftentimes we think that God should and should not work in certain ways on the earth today. right? And I'm sure you've thought in that way at one time or another. I'm sure you've wondered how much God really has to do with what goes on in the world today. But you know, the Bible as a whole is written in a manner where if any person will take the time to understand it, they too can come to faith in God through Jesus Christ. We really can, you know, through the written Word of God, we really can come to a good knowledge of God and His will for all of us here on this earth. Now, we won't know everything about God because we don't have the capacity to do so. But what God wants us to know about Him, He has revealed it to us in His Word and through His Son, Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1.3 tells us that by the divine power of God, through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we have everything that we need for life and godliness. That's found in 2 Peter 1.3, that through the divine power of God, through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we have everything that we need for life and godliness. But often, when we're calling out to God or we're going through circumstances, we think we need more or we think we need something different. But God is God. He does not change. He is who He is. And those of us that are believers in Jesus, that claim that we believe in the Lord, we need to stand upon the Word of God and what it says of who He is. And that's what our faith needs to be based upon, that He is who He is. And as the Apostle Paul writes these words here that we see in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, he is indeed speaking to people that are in the faith of Jesus Christ, those that are in the church, those that are in what we call the body of Christ. That's the church, the body of Christ. All the believers throughout all the world that believe in Jesus Christ, this makes up the church, the body. 
right? And if that is you and if that is me, we must be sure that we understand what's being said here, what we just read in Ephesians 3.20. And that is that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. But what does that really mean to you and me today. Oftentimes it's real easy to take a verse like that that says, and I'll read it again, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Oftentimes it's easy to take that verse and say, you know what? I need a better job. And God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think or all that I ask or imagine. You know what? I need to... uh, make more money in life. I need this. I need all these good things. And we throw this scripture on it to say, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine. But I don't really believe that that's the message that's conveyed here. Not as it pertains to those type of things, right? But that's what we're going to explore here this morning as we look at some scriptures. The Apostle Paul, in this letter to the believers in the city of Ephesus, he uses the word above all five times. Just in this one letter alone, this letter to to the Ephesians, he uses the words above all five times. But I'm just going to show you one more of those times right now. And if you'll turn up to chapter 4 of Ephesians for just a few moments here, Ephesians chapter 4. And you look down with me, and we'll start reading at verse 4. So it's just, you know, might be on the same page in your Bible there. But Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4, the Apostle Paul, again, who wrote this letter, says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Right? So the Apostle Paul is pointing out here that there is only a narrow way as far as God is concerned. You see, many people like to think today, well, this religion's okay, that religion's okay. They all lead to God. All roads lead to God. That's not what the Bible teaches. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one way. Okay, not multiple many ways, but only one. Okay, Um, so why do we have so many religions? Why are there so many varying opinions, right? Was this God's idea? No, it, it really wasn't God's idea. All the various religions, apart from the faith that the Bible teaches, were the ideas of men and women. You see, all of our focus is to simply and very emphatically be on what God has established and not on what man establishes. And of course, I know that there are those that have not come to faith in Jesus Christ and really don't care to, and they would just call Christianity, believers in the Bible, born-again Christians, they would just call that another religion, right? And 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14 tells us that the things that were taught by the apostles were not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. That's what separates 
born-again Christianity. Is what the apostles taught, we're told in 1 Corinthians 2, was not which man's wisdom teaches. These weren't wise men writing this stuff. Matter of fact, if you look at Peter and these guys, they were called uneducated men. They were fishermen, you know, of all different walks of life. Paul had somewhat of an education, but most of the disciples were not that, what you would call that astute or that bright or whatever. They were people that God chose to do something that He chose the foolish things, the weak things, the beggarly things, right? So that scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 that what the apostles taught was not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. It goes on to say the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So someone that does not repent and come to faith in Jesus Christ will not understand the things of the Bible. They'll think what we talk about here and how we live our lives is foolishness. And oh, God doesn't exist. And oh, that's just a bunch of this or that. That's just another religion. But they've not been born again of the Spirit of God. Okay, but And the Bible teaches that there's one God, one Father, right, who is above all and through all and in you all, as verse 6 says. And we know from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, that God became flesh and He dwelt among us. And God in the flesh is Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And when it comes, and when one comes to Him through repentance and faith, God will then begin a work in that person, as verse 6 says there, right? So, so the all-powerful, above all, God will make His ways known to us if we come to Him through faith in Jesus Christ. Remember, there is no way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. According to the Scriptures, that is, according to the Holy Bible, there is only one way to eternal life, and that's through faith in the God who became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus Christ. So it all begins there, but we must fully submit to God. We must live our lives today based on the fact that God is above all else, and He has a plan. He's in control. He knows what He's doing, come what may. And the work that God can do is far above all that we could ever ask or ever think. Our, our little human brains are, do, do not have the ability to comprehend God and how great He is and His plan. We only see such a small picture Right, that we look through on a daily basis, the, a small window, I should say, that we look through, we're not seeing the big picture that God sees. Now, go ahead and look back at Ephesians 3 again. So, we're staying right, right close here. I want to read this to you again, because again, this is the, this is the basis of what we're, we're studying today. Verse 20, chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, Ephesians 3, okay? Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, 
according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You see, throughout all generations, as it says there, nothing ever changes when it comes to God. To the God that we are to trust in, the God that we worship, the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the God that created Adam and Eve, the God who instructed Noah, the God that led Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of the Israelites, the God of Moses, the God of Joshua, the God who worked in and through King David, the God of Daniel, the God of Ruth, the God of the prophets, the God and Father, like I said, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is one God, and He is above all. And nothing has ever or will ever change about who God is. But oftentimes, when our circumstances get a little wacky, or when our circumstances get a little chaotic, we think God has disappeared. We think, where is God? But His plan is, grand, is grander. His thoughts are greater, right? He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or ever think, ever imagine. Mankind in our greatest imaginations will always fall short of God and His ultimate wisdom and His ultimate knowledge. God, according to His power that works within us, desires to do more for our benefit than we could ever ask or think. So here's the question to all of us people of the one faith, the biblically described faith. The question to consider is this, do we really understand that God is above all? Is that really the foundation of our faith? Is that really a foundation of our lives that we stand upon that God is above all and that God is in control? You see, until we fully realize that God has knowledge that compared to ours, His knowledge is exceedingly abundant. Right? Until we realize that, only then will we truly ever come to a place where we can completely rest in Him. And we can completely trust in Him and know that He's in control. Understanding the fact that God's knowledge is above all that we ask or think is the key ingredient to our faith. We're trusting in Him. Our thoughts don't measure up to the knowledge of God. That is, we can't sit around and plan out the way we think our lives should go and then present it to God as a Christmas list or a letter to Santa Claus. Here you go, God. This is the way my life should be. This is what I think. I've thought it out. I've taken the time to think it all out, God, and this is what you need to give me. This is what you need to do for me. No, that's not how it works. God is God, and He's in control, and He is above all. Right? We, we can't say to God who has infinite knowledge, Here you go, God. This is the way it should be. Let me tell you. Do you need me to counsel you, God, on how my life should be? 
Because it ain't working out well right now, God. Certain things are not going my way, so I'm going to pray to you in this certain way, and I'm going to seek you in this certain way, and you're going to change, and you're going to do things my way, right? That's not what we see. Our prayer requests are not to be instructions to God on what He needs to do for us. He knows our needs. He is all-knowing. He is above all. He sees what we cannot see. And let me tell you something. There are things that God will allow in our lives that we just don't want. Right? But God has a purpose in it. Sometimes we need the, the heat turned up in our lives to make us be what God wants us to be. He may be refining us. And we're going through difficult times. The prophet Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18, was instructed by the Lord to go down to the potter's house and the Lord would speak to him there. So Jeremiah, speaking in, in Jeremiah 18, 3 and 4, said, Then I went down to the potter's house and there he was, talking about the potter. I went down to the potter's house and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Somehow it broke up. It was destroyed, right? The, the vessel he was making, it was marred. Okay? So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. You see, when it comes to our lives, God is the potter and we are the clay. He does what He wants to do, and what He does is always best. Sometimes it might break us down and make us new. Start again. Oh, no, no, let's start over with this. But He's the potter. We, we are the clay. Right? So like I said, sometimes He needs to turn up the heat in our lives. Do you know that the same sun that will melt ice will harden clay? Right? And likewise, when God works, there are times when we may need to be melted. And there may be times when we need to be made stronger. And that's what He's doing with us as the clay. He's making us stronger. He's refining us. Right? He, he's doing His work that He knows. He knows all about. And He's doing it. We may not understand. Why this? Why that? Why that happened to my family member? Why am I going through this why were those circumstances the way they are? But we don't have God's wisdom, and we don't have God's knowledge, right? Now I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture now that I often quote from, but let's look at the Old Testament book of Isaiah for a few minutes. Isaiah chapter 55. It's in the Old Testament. I want you to find Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, and let's start reading down in verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and He will have mercy on him. 
and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. Now, let's pause right there for a moment. It's very clear what's being said here, isn't it? It's telling all those that presently don't that now is the time to trust in the Lord. You see, the time is coming when it will be too late to do so. Right now, the Lord is near. And all that one needs to do to be saved from sin, to be pardoned, is to forsake his ways, as it says there. Forsake your ways. Forsake your thoughts. Right? That is, repent and turn to the Lord. And the Lord will have mercy on that person. And as it says there, the Lord will abundantly pardon that person. He is willing, are you? But what all of mankind needs to understand, and especially those of us that are in the faith, is what is said here in verse 8 and 9. The Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And that's what we're talking about this morning, right? That God is above all. We can't instruct God. We can't counsel God. Our thoughts are not His thoughts. His ways are much higher than our ways. His, his thoughts are much greater, much better, right? So when we consider these scriptures here that we're reading, tied in with Ephesians 3.20 and 21, that say that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, we must come to realize that it is our duty to simply surrender all of our thoughts, all of our desires, right? All of our wishes and dreams, if you will, everything, we lay it all down and we say God is God. And I will trust in Him, come what may. Surrender it all to the absolute will of the Lord, who is above all. Does it ever seem to you that God doesn't answer prayers? Do you ever think, He's not hearing me. I've prayed this, I've prayed that. I don't hear from Him. I'm not hearing back. I know I do. I pray, I don't hear anything. I don't see anything sometimes. Nothing happens, right? Right? You know, also often we don't understand why our prayers aren't answered as we pray them. We, we do not get the answer that we ask for. But this God of ours who is above all, knows all, and does exceedingly abundantly more than all that we could possibly ask or think or imagine, right? He may be just trying to tell us that He knows what He's doing and we just need to rest in Him, to trust in Him, and to pray in a manner where we simply are saying, not my will, but your will be done. Do we ever stop to think and to realize that when we desire something of God and we throw up a prayer for this thing or for that circumstance that we hope for, do we ever really take into consideration that God's knowledge is far greater than ours? Are we realizing that when we pray? And He, he doesn't have to do things the way that we think that He should. Oftentimes, People fall victim 
to seeing God as that genie in a bottle. I get three wishes, right? He's going to answer this. Okay, you're this type of God. You're going to give me what I want. Because it's good. I know it's good. I've thought it through. My thoughts tell me it's good. My thoughts tell me this is what I should have right now. My thoughts tell me that this is the way my life should be right now. But my thoughts are not His thoughts. His ways are much higher than our ways, right? Have you ever read the story of Job in your Bible? Job was a man that suffered horrible personal loss in his life. He lost all that he owned. He lost all of his children. He suffered illness. And some men that were very close with him accused him of wrongdoing that he had not committed. He didn't understand why God allowed all this. He didn't comprehend the ways of God in his life, but Job accepted it. That's the difference. He didn't comprehend it. He didn't understand it, but Job accepted it. In chapter 13 of Job and verse 15, Job says this of God. And I'm reading this to you from the King James Version of the Bible. Job says this, Though He slay me, yet I will trust in Him. Though He slay me, He said, yet I will trust in Him. If it goes that far, that I, that I die in this, these circumstances, I trust in God. And He went on to say, But I will maintain mine own ways before him. So Job was saying that no matter what happened in his life, he was going to trust in God and that he was going to keep walking the way he's walked before God, which was upright. Remember, that's the beginning of Job. The story says he was an upright man. And God was looked down at Job and said, "Wow, look at Job." He Satan came before God and said, "You know, God said to Satan, "Have you considered Job?" And Satan said, well, yeah, but you've got your hand upon him. I can't touch him. I can't do anything about him. And Satan tried to tell God, look, if you just touch his life, if you just mess him up a little bit, <laughs> he'll curse you. Job will curse you. But Job did not. That's what the story of Job is about. He didn't. When, when everything came crashing down, he knew that God was God. He knew that God's ways were greater, that God's thoughts were better, that God's plan was above all. How many people turned their backs on God because of certain circumstances in their lives? This happens or that happens and you say, forget God. I want nothing to do with that. Job also said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, Job said. He came in this world with nothing. Right? He understood what we all must understand, and that, that is, like I said, God is above all. And the things that God does are exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. I told you those scriptures would be the basis of what we focused on today. It says in Job 1.22 that Job never charged God with wrongdoing. And everything that he lost and all the terrible circumstances of his life, he never charged God with wrongdoing. He never cursed God. 
You know, I'm quoting a lot from Job here this morning, and, and I'd like us to, to look at a little bit more about the story of Job. So go ahead and turn there. Job chapter 26. It's in the Old Testament. Around the center of your Bible, you'll find the book of Psalms. And right before the book of Psalms, you'll find Job. It's spelled J-O-B. And I want you to find Job 26, chapter 26. Now, here in Job 26, I really want you to contemplate um, some of the things that Job is saying here. And let's, we'll look down and we'll start reading in verse 7. Job is speaking of God here, and he says in verse 7 of chapter 26, He stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. So as you're standing on the earth and you look straight up into the sky, you see this amazing space that God has stretched out above us all, right? And then you contemplate the fact that all around us on the outskirts of this earth, right, upon which we stand, there is nothing but a vast amount of space and the earth is just hanging there, just sitting there on nothing. What's holding it there? It's just there, right? This is what Job is saying, right? Remember, Job lived many, many, many years ago. He didn't have the technology. He can't. We can, I can tell you what I just told you, and you can picture it. You can picture outer space because we've seen it, right? He, he couldn't see it. But he knew this. And verse 8, he says, He binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. So in other words, these clouds that hold all that rainwater are not overloaded by the weight of it all. Right? If the cloud were to empty all of its water into a barrel that you had, Right? You couldn't pick up that barrel. But yet that cloud's holding all that rain. This is what Job is saying. He covers, verse 9, He covers the face of His throne and spreads His cloud over it. Right? We can't see the throne of God. That's what Job's saying. We can't see the throne of God. It's above all. He's far greater. But outside of us is all this outer space that, as far as we know, goes on and on and on and on and on. We don't know, right? But above that, it's all covered, and God's throne is there. Job knew this. Even in the midst of... And you've got to understand what Job is going through. You've got to read the book to understand what he's going through, how horrific his life was right now. And this is what he's saying. He's praising God in it all, right? Verse 10, he drew a circular horizon on the face of the waters at the boundary of light and darkness. Now, that's a deep thing to think about right there. But Job understood that it was an amazing thing that the waters all remain contained at the ends of the earth, if you will. They all stay within, right? Uh, I, I love that song that says, uh, my Redeemer lives, right? Who taught the sun where to stand? 
in the morning, the song says, and who told the ocean, you can only come this far, right? God. And that's what Job's pointing out here. He also knew the curvature, that there was a curvature to the earth, right? And he was just simply amazed by all of this. The pillars of heaven tremble, verse 11, and are astonished at his rebuke. There is nothing, there is no place above or below that does not stand in awe of God. He stirs, verse 12, He stirs up the sea with His power, and by His understanding He breaks up the storm. By His Spirit He adorned the heavens. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Indeed, these are the mere edges of His ways. And how small a whisper we hear of Him. Think about that. How small a whisper we hear of Him, but the thunder of His power, who can understand? So as Job speaks of the awesomeness and the power and the majesty and the unfathomableness of God, we must keep in mind that again, He is a man that just lost everything. All he had left was his wife. And you know what his wife told him? Curse God and die. You know, the guy didn't have much going for him right now, and he's praising God and, and how awesome God is. And I like there in verse 14 where he says, these are the mere edges of his way. Job seemed to know a lot for his time, but in reality, by comparison to the awesomeness of God, Job knew nothing. He said, these are, these are just the edges of his ways. We can't know everything about God, right? In all that Job says here, he is only lightly touching on the exceedingly abundant loftiness of God. So let me reel this all back in here. This morning, we are to fully rest in the Lord and to trust in His ways in our lives. The rain falls on the just and the rain falls on the unjust alike. There will be times of have and there will be times of have not in our lives. There are times of sickness. There are times of good health. Some people have a lifetime of infirmity. And others seem to have a silver spoon kind of life. Right? But the first and foremost place that God wants us is to be walking completely by faith in Him. That no matter our circumstances, that our circumstances don't change our relationship with God and how we trust in Him. Right? Completely trusting Him. And I say completely, meaning that we need to understand that God is God no matter what happens in our lives. To believe that He does exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to His power that works in us. This simply means that He is trustworthy. He is working out a far greater purpose in our lives than we currently can comprehend. We don't have the ability to understand the greatness of God. Let me close this morning with having us all take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 back in the New Testament. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. I want you to find 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll start reading down in verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And verse 18 is a key verse for us here this morning. We are not to be looking at the temporary things of this life the circumstances of this life as followers of the Lord. We are to be looking at the eternal because by comparison, the things that we go through in this life are like the Apostle Paul describes them here, light afflictions compared to what awaits us in eternity. This was the perspective that Job had. This is what he understood. Heaven is exceedingly better than what we know here, and God is exceedingly abundantly above all that we will ever know in this life. And we need to rest in and to trust in Him each and every day of our lives, come what may. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, today is another day that you have made, God. And we can rejoice and be glad in this day because you have made it, because of who you are. You are the everlasting God, unchanging, ever faithful, ever true. And God, we just acknowledge and recognize you in our lives. We thank you for all that you have given us, Lord, that we are abundantly blessed in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We thank you for the blood that you shed, that you died on that cross to purchase eternal life for us, Lord. And we thank you for what awaits, what awaits us, Lord, that we have eternity to look forward to, Lord. So, Lord, as the clay that we are, I pray that you will strengthen us in your will. Let your will be done in our hearts and minds, Lord. For you are above all, Lord. And Lord, we just acknowledge you and we thank you for this time of study. And Lord, we pray for those. We pray for Sandra today, Lord, and her family who have lost a loved one, Lord. They've lost a family member, Lord. And they've recently, not too long ago, lost another family member, Lord. So we pray for this family, Lord, just the Pena family as a whole, Lord, for all of those around Sandra, Lord, that you would, as the God of all comfort, God, that you would comfort them right now, Lord, in their trial that they're going through, that they would have that heart that we've talked about this morning, Lord, 
to know that you are God and that you are above all else and that all things can work together for good for those who love the Lord, for those that are called according to your purpose, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that something good will come out of this, that light would shine into that family, that people, Lord, would come to the place of salvation in their own hearts, Lord, that they would turn their eyes upon you, Lord, and that that would be the case for all of us, Lord, on, our daily, on a daily basis, that we would turn our eyes upon you, Lord, as the song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace, Lord. So as we fix our eyes on you, Lord, as we take our eyes off of this world, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would be Lord of all in our lives. We just bring this all before you. In Jesus' name, amen.